Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Dan Harris, joined by Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, how you doing? I am doing good. Uh, we were talking before the show, and um, well, this is the time of the year where you know holidays are coming around, and uh, we had my wife's family over yesterday for an early Thanksgiving because you know with different families is trying to fit everybody in the schedule, and uh, I've been eating like apple pie. My I had apple pie for dinner actually. Uh, that's that's what my dinner consisted of. So, whoo, I've not eaten very good today. I don't know how that's gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna respond to that. You know, when it comes to talking football, but. I know you always we always get a little nervous here. The amount of food you consume prior to a podcast apparently is, you know, directly related to how <laughs> feisty you are in any of these podcasts. That's what's sort of been known. I don't know about you tags during the football season, by the way. I find it so difficult to get to the gym. And by the way, my gym is in my basement, so I have a bunch of exercise equipment. I still even now find it almost impossible to find enough time to really get it done. So when the holidays start rolling around, ugh, I feel disgusting. You just feel gross, right? Yeah. But you know what? We're going to feel amazing after we do this podcast and you're going to get it all started <laughs> with your biggest winner. What do you got for me? Well, the biggest winner has to do with the biggest loser. And I'm going to put the biggest winner is Rashad Penny. You know, Chris Carson fumbling on back-to-back plays kind of opened the door wide open for him. So I'm kind of like giving away my biggest loser here. Uh, but I mean, there's a couple losers I have down because I didn't, I felt like I was cheating by giving these two, but it's kind of like a, a win-lose situation. And uh, it was only a matter of time before it's like, P. Carroll has to do something. He has to say, you know what, Carson, you, you can't lose the ball like this. You, and he put the continually put them in a bad spot. Rashad Penny obviously broke a long run for a touchdown. He ran fine. He's a guy they drafted in the first round. And it's like, is this finally the time? Dan, what's your take on this going forward? Like, is Chris Carson someone that you believe is going to get? Do you think he's going to get 20 touches again this year? Yeah, I think there's going to be a game that he gets 20 touches uh, at some point going forward, but certainly his stock takes it here. Now, look, some people probably haven't watched this game, so you're going to look at the box score. And Tags, I believe he was not actually charged at any point with a lost fumble. I believe he fumbled on back-to-back plays. The first one they recovered, and the second one, technically he doesn't get charged with the lost fumble because he never actually had possession, right? So I believe that Russell Wilson gets charged with the fumble, so you're going to see a, a play where Wilson fumbled, but that is on Carson. Now, again, to be fair, that was not also the classic Carson fumble, which is the usual. He gets knocked out. He obviously if you watch that play, he was not expecting the ball. He did not know it was coming for whatever reason. He doesn't even have his hands up almost. It looks like he must have thought it was a fake or something like that. But either way, yeah, when you have fumble problems like that, we talked about it a long time ago when he had lost a fumble and you kept saying, you know, you look at that fumble individually, that's not that egregious. He was like held up and the guy behind him grabbed it. It really, but when you have a fumbling problem, every fumble is a big deal. So, you know, you look at this now and uh, Rashad Penny had a huge day, 14 for 129 and a score on the ground. I mean, Carson totaled 57 yards and he was not completely out of the game after those two fumbles he did come back he did catch a pass but yeah this is something where I'm getting nervous now I mean my guess is that Penny is owned in the vast majority of leagues at this point because he's like a prime handcuff but if you own Carson I mean tags you're doing your rest of season rankings he's still like I mean at least an RB2 right you're not dropping him way down like this are you correct yeah because there's still a chance that he gets those 20 touches and like by the time like seriously like when you get to Melvin Gordon you can't say confidently every single week that he's going to outproduce Austin Eckler you get to Josh Jacobs who had a bad game against the Jets today he plays for a a relatively bad offense you know you get to Le'Veon Bell and it's like that's the area he belongs in with those guys so it's like we're talking low-end RB1 high-end RB2 but it's more about like okay, this is worrisome. I had no worries about Chris Carson going into the fantasy playoffs, but after a game like this, you kind of have to wonder about it. And obviously he got outtouched by uh, Penny in this game. So I did move Penny up. Uh, He's a guy that's available in a lot of leagues, actually, because people were just kind of like, ah, whatever. You know, if if Carson wasn't benched before, he's never going to be benched and they dropped him. So if he is available, I would put him atop the list in terms like, you know, in terms of ranking handcuffs for running backs, I would put him over Alexander Madison right now because I think there's a possibility that he's actually going to be more involved because of these Chris Carson fumbling issues. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's really the point I want to hammer down. You're not necessarily saying that Penny is taking the job from Carson. I mean, Pete Carroll's a loyal puppy, right? He could have benched Carson forever, you know, whenever he did. And I believe the game prior to their bye, I believe it was against the 49ers, I think Penny lost kind of a crucial fumble um, in that game as well. So it's not as if Penny is going to be this guy who's going to take over. And uh, But I, I could see it again. And Penny looked great, to, to be fair, against a very tough run defense. So I, I think it's fair to say that Penny's certainly going to cut into the workload, which is why I think there'll probably be a game where Carson will get to 20 touches, but I think it's probably going to be like a one-off, like one game or something like that. But in the end, you're still starting Carson, but his 
stock certainly goes down. So, I mean, you want to use him as your biggest loser? I'll allow that. Or you can add somebody else in. I'll name somebody else. I mean, I mean, it could be Jalen Samuels. Um, it could also be Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman is someone that I would put in that biggest loser category because we saw a two to one touch split last week. And then this week happens and we see Royce Freeman go out there and get four touches against the Bills. I mean, going forward, I would probably rather own Rashad Penny than I would Royce Freeman. I mean, Freeman's part of a bad football team and now he's clearly just the handcuff to Philip Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay didn't do anything today to give up that job. So I, I would say that someone like Rashad Penny is more valuable than Royce Freeman. No, I completely agree. And this has been sort of trending that way now for a couple of weeks. And again, there was a report, it might have been before last week, that they were going to give Lindsay some more work. And they certainly did here. Lindsay gets 14 touches for 68 yards. And Freeman, as you said, gets four touches, just 29 yards. So I agree. He has moved past sort of that. Well, you can start him. You don't love him, but you can start him in your flex if you really need to, because he's certainly getting enough work in the passing game. And we've talked again how Brandon Allen doesn't really focus on passing to the running backs anyway. But either way, he's just not getting the volume anymore regardless. So he is at best a handcuff and he's not as valuable as a handcuff such as Rashad Penny or certainly Alexander Madison. So I like it. Tags way to go. I would have let you rest on your laurels there with Carson as the biggest loser because he is, you know, he's a bigger loser than Freeman, I think, at this point, because owners weren't really starting Freeman regularly at this point in the season. But I like it. Tags. I like digging deep. Now, what I do not like is where you ranked a couple of guys who had big days today. As you know, it is time for What's Your Problem, Man? And we are going to begin with Jarvis Landry. You had him at wide receiver 30 in half PPR formats. I mean, an every week start, of course. He had three straight games with a touchdown coming in. He was always involved in the offense. He was seeing the targets. Two more touchdowns in the revenge game against the Dolphins, going 13 targets, 10 catches, 148 yards, and two touchdowns. What's your problem with Jarvis Landry tags? It's a good question. It's and it's a fair question <laughs> because like I had him ranked, I think, as my wide receiver 18 for this week, uh, but I didn't move him as up as much as I should have probably in season long. And the, the reason is because like Odell Beckham coming into this week is a guy that based on the opportunity that he'd had, the, the average depth of target, where those targets were coming from, he's someone that had scored 26 fewer PPR points than he should have, which is like one of the most in the league. And, and when you have an elite playmaker like Odell Beckham, you figure it's going to write itself over some point. And then Jarvis Landry is someone who's on the flip side of that, where he has been scoring more than he rightfully should in terms of the type of player that he is so I did expect some touchdown regression it's like okay he's gonna be a startable wide receiver three but I'm not anticipating these touchdowns to continue he is getting double digit targets seemingly every single week I think it's four of the last five games now he's had double digit targets it was more about like getting Kareem Hunt back in the offense and then getting David Njoku back and expecting touchdown regression so it, it was a combination of a lot of things but based on the performance today it's it's impossible for me to just keep him at wide receiver 30 I did move him up to wide receiver 25. All right. I still think you got to get within your top 24 so you can be a wide receiver two every week. But I think that's fair. Meanwhile, Beckham, by the way, I'm just going to point this out. This has to be the most disappointed I've ever felt after a six catch, 84 yard touchdown <laughs> performance. Not only because I had him over 100 yards in my top prop bet on the Benning Pros NFL podcast, but this was the game, man. This is where it was supposed to all come uh, come together. But, you know, again, I'm not going to complain too much, I guess. But certainly a little bit felt like he left out there. Now, this one is certainly minor because I know he he was a wide receiver one for you, so I'm not going to get on you too bad. Um, but Chris Godwin here, you had him, I believe, at wide receiver 11. I had him wide receiver four tags. It's not the worst schedule with this game that was against the Falcons, then the Jaguars, the Colts, the Lions, not the best, not the worst. The Bucks are always throwing the ball. He never sees fewer than eight targets, almost ever. So, look, I realize he had a few down games in a row, but, I mean, you had to know one of these giant games like he had today was coming, right? Well, it was, I mean, this, this week, yes, I definitely liked him this week. I, I want to say I had him at seven, six or seven this week. So over the last month, like coming into this, there, like of, in four of his last six games, he had finished as the wide receiver 22 or worse. It was like there was a, a wide receiver 41 finish, a wide receiver 24, 25, and 22. So it's almost like he was settling where, where it's like, okay, Mike Evans is starting to become that alpha dog. And and Godwin is like, it was almost like to where he was being drafted as, like where, where many people thought that he would finish. Like we knew he would be a big part of the offense. Some people were predicting breakouts, but but nobody, nobody was predicting what happened over the, the beginning of the season. And it's like there were a few big games that propped up the overall numbers. And I'm like, OK, maybe he's just settling into that, you know, that middle, that middling wide receiver two guy that we could rely on. But maybe he isn't, you know, maybe he doesn't compare to Mike Evans. So I did drop him last week down to 11. And now after this performance, I, I put him back at number nine. So, uh, again, I'm willing to move these players a little bit, but I, I can't negate some of the floor performances where it's like if they show me a floor that, you know, more often than not, he's finishing in the low end wide receiver two territory. It's like, should I be putting him inside that top, you know, the top, those top eight wide receivers? And 
it's really tough to get in there, but after performances from Amari Cooper today, which is really nothing, uh, Tyler Lockett today, you're looking at those guys, Tyreek Hill, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. I can see how someone could put him in that conversation for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of where I come out on it. Again, you know, as much as we say, you know, you, you've got the wide receiver ones and they're all generally safe. They all are going to be able to give you these games that are, you know, Cooper Cup, everything like that, even Cooper. Devontae Adams, certainly now that he's 100% healthy, maybe not, you know, falls out of that category. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, until this past week, he had sort of been a little up and down and everything like that. Again, it's a minor point because these guys are all great. I don't really have a problem with it. But yeah, for today, I mean, certainly I know you liked him this week. I did too. Godwin, a monster game, eight targets, seven catches, 184 yards and two touchdowns. But again, just minor. I got to, you know, sometimes I got to grasp the straws here, Tag, just to tease you a little bit. <laughs> so we now are going to get into the games as we always do. But before we do, and before we talk about Jonathan Williams being perhaps a league winner, I want to remind everyone that we're giving away a signed Dak Prescott helmet over at fantasypros.com slash contest. You can get all the details there, but to be entered, just leave a review for the show in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. Now, that signed Dak Prescott helmet and all of our helmet giveaways, they come from our good friends over at Pristine Auction. So when I started hosting podcasts, my wife said I needed to make my office into more of a sports haven. The only two pieces of memorabilia I owned were two autographed frame pictures, one of Chad Pennington and one of Jonathan Papelbon when he was on the Red Sox, which I bought for my wife for her birthday, which says so many negative things about me that I thought that that was an appropriate birthday gift for my wife and so many negative things about her that she actually loved it. Anyway, I knew Pristine Auction sponsored our giveaways. Bobby and Tags raved about them. So I checked them out and now I'm on pristineauction.com every single day. I'm on it right now, which is why you're just going to hear me randomly ask Taz the same question he just answered at some point because I'm really not listening to him. Pristine Auction has hundreds, even thousands of auctions every single day where you can bid on a ton of great items. Every item is guaranteed from only the most trusted sources. And because they have so many auctions daily, you can get absolutely amazing deals. Yesterday, I saw a signed Alvin Kamara jersey for $62.65 and a Melvin Gordon signed Chargers helmet for $104.42. It is free to register and it is free to bid. You only pay money when you win an item. So go to pristineauction.com, that's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com, and use our registration code FANTASYPROS in the registration field when you sign up. You'll get a free $5, and that lets them know that you heard about them from us, which is basically why we're able to do things like the Dak Prescott Helmet Giveaway. All right, Tags, let's get into the games here, and let us start, as we always do, with the Thursday night game, Texans 20, Colts 17, a much-needed win for the Texans here. Deshaun Watson throws for 298 yards and two touchdown passes, both to DeAndre Hopkins, who has six catches for 94 yards. But how about Will Fuller here? Tags, questionable coming in with a hamstring injury that had kept him out a few games. 11 targets, seven catches, 140 yards. He's got the Pats and the Broncos on tap, so it's not the best schedule by far. But is Fuller anything more than a boomer bust wide receiver three going forward? No, that's about right. Um, you kind of have to, if you have Will Fuller, you kind of have to live with the ups and downs of his uh, performances. And this one just happened to be a big one. The, the biggest concern for me was that there were multiple times in that game where you kind of saw him pull up after a reception and uh, grab the back of his hamstring. That's worrisome uh, because, like, obviously, if it's the hamstring, that, that they said that it was a badly strained hamstring, and that's why he missed so many weeks. So it's like pay attention to his, to his practice participation because if he re-aggravated that, it could be a multiple-week thing. Um, so it's definitely something to pay attention to. But um, Deshaun Watson is someone that I've kind of labeled already as someone I'm willing to sell high on right now out of this game. If, if your trade deadline is still open, I just want to mention that because they're – I mean, coming up in, in the playoffs where like you're going to need him most, he's going to be home against the Patriots next week and then against the Broncos, two teams that have allowed just two top 12 quarterback performances all season. Uh, it's it's not a great, not a great matchup, not, not a few couple great matchups for him. And that's like, you know, that's going into it. If you need a win next week against the Patriots, that's not great. And then you go into the first round of the playoffs against the Broncos. Again, that's not great. So if Watson, if you're able to sell high on him and maybe stream the quarterback position, I'd probably do that. He also takes a beating. I mean, he always has, but he is just always getting hit. I'm always concerned. I cringe every time, you know, one of those things every time he gets hit. Going back to Fuller, yeah, that is, it was, I mean, there were multiple times where I said, shoot, he's coming out of this game now because that's it, right? He looked like he had really re-aggravated it. So, you know, assuming that he's fine, they obviously have the mini buy here to get ready for this. Assuming that he's fine, you got to roll him out there. Again, boomer bust wide receiver three. I think we're both talking about him in that territory. He's going to have these games. He's going to have huge games. He didn't even find the end zone here, but it's a big one. But he is going to have those occasional games where he's going to come down with two catches for 45 yards, even with healthy. So certainly monitor that. 
With the Colts, they play it largely conservatively. They keep it mostly on the ground. Jacoby Brissett throws for 129 yards. He does run for a score. T.Y. Hilton has one of the worst games of his career, three catches for 18 yards, but he has several drops. But as I mentioned earlier, let's talk running game here. Jordan Wilkins actually was active for this game, but there were reports that Jonathan Williams might lead the way, and indeed he does. And by the way, that's something where you want to monitor the beat writers while the teams are warming up in these games because uh, I forget which beat writer it was, but he mentioned that Williams was working with the first team when he was getting in the warm-up. So that's something where when you're debating whether or not to start him, that's something where you're saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. Williams goes for 26, carries 104 yards and a touchdown on the ground, plus all catches all three of his targets for 17 yards. So it's a tough schedule. They've got the Titans, the Bucks, and the Saints. How do you feel about Williams going forward? I mean, he started out the game really slow, and then it was like the Houston defense just wore down as the game went on. I mean, some people are walking in out of this and saying, well, "Do you know Houston's a tough run defense?" And this and that. No, they're not. They're not really a tough run defense. They weren't. They weren't tough with JJ Watt. They had taken a step back after they lost Jadavian Clowney, and then losing Watt obviously didn't help matters. So this is a team that is not you, you don't you're not scared of to run the ball against. So it's not really shocking. And if you saw, I mean, the touchdown run by Williams was bad tackling like it was brutal like I mean if you didn't see that game go back and watch the Jonathan Williams touchdown you can YouTube it you can do whatever and it was poor tackling there were there were at least two or if not three missed tackles I saw in that play where it wasn't anything special but he's a workman like running back he did what he was supposed to that's kind of all Marlon Mack's been this year and it's been fine I mean so as long as Marlon Mack is out it seems like Jonathan Williams has locked up this job I mean Wilkins didn't even get one carry and it differs, though, from the beat reporter. I, re- I retweeted a beat reporter uh, in the middle of the week that said uh, Wilkins is going, I think it was on Wednesday or thir- maybe even Thursday morning, he's, he tweeted out saying that uh, it's going to be a timeshare between the two running backs, which is it forced me to drop Williams down my rankings a little bit. And, you know, sometimes beat reporters are guessing just as much as anybody else. So uh, I got to take it with a grain of salt. But Jonathan Williams appears to have locked up that first and second down roll while Marlon Max out. Yeah, you know, Wilkins had not over the past several years, he hasn't run poorly when he's gotten the chance. So I was a little bit surprised that this happened, um, but it is something where now I feel pretty comfortable. I get the schedule. It is tough. The Titans are a tough matchup. The Bucks, we know how tough they are against the run. So are the Saints, but it's something where if he, I mean, 26 carries, you know, that that's, that's a large number there. I think you can feel pretty comfortable rolling them out despite the matchups. Let's move on here to the Bucks 35, Falcons 22, Winston with a classic Jameis Winston game, 313 yards, Three touchdowns, two picks. He adds 38 yards rushing. We already talked about Chris Godwin, which who did largely the damage in the receiving game. Mike Evans was held in check a little bit here. Four catches for 50 yards, but let's talk rushing game. Ronald Jones, 12 carries, 51 yards, and a score. Plus, he has three catches for 16 yards. Peyton Barber, though, he's still there, splitting the carries. 11 carries, albeit for just 32 yards. Where are you on Ronald Jones' rest of season here? Mm, you're kind of relying on Bruce Arians to do the right thing, which he has not done all year. So you're kind of screwing yourself. It, it's it's frustrating, man, because Ronald Jones, like, he runs so well. And I, I, I don't get it. I mean, it could be a very David Johnson-esque situation. Do you remember David Johnson's rookie year? where he started out returning punts, uh, like he was on the kickoff return team. I think the first touch of his NFL career was against the Bears uh, in week one, and he returned uh, kickoff out of the end zone for a touchdown. And it was like every week, it was like you saw these plays out of David Johnson, and people were like, why isn't he on the field more? And I think it was Chris Johnson that he was trying to overtake. And it was like Bruce Arians was hesitant to do it until the end of the year. I don't know if we finally got there with Ronald Jones, but his touchdown was opposite of Jonathan Williams. His touchdown was like a grown man touchdown. Like he was unwilling to go down and he even like the Falcons were trying to tackle him into the red zone. He wouldn't even go down there. He continues to outplay Peyton Barber. I, I don't understand it. Unfortunately, you're kind of stuck here. I, I don't I don't I'm not the coach of this team, so I can't tell you that Ronald Jones is going to get a lot of touches. He should, but he doesn't, unfortunately. But the good news is that he's been involved in the passing game a lot more. So I would trust him as a a mid to high end RB3 that could have upside for more should Bruce Arians actually wake up. Yeah, he's still outside my RB2 range as well. Not that far. Again, he he's slowly moving up. I think we both had him at 29 coming into this week. It's look, Barber, they're just going to split carries. It's it is what it is uh, and there's no way. And so Bottom line is, with his volume capped, no matter how good he looks, it's just going to be really difficult to see him having that giant day. Still, you know, he's at the point where a lot of fantasy owners need to rely on him, so it's nice to at least see him succeed when he is given the work. And I agree, go watch the touchdown. That I mean, he did not go down. He would not go down, even when it was okay to go down in the end zone. So he definitely had uh, a nice day, and it it was really good to see. On the other side of the ball, really nothing going on here. They do nothing. The Falcons do nothing on the ground, as usual. Kadre Allison does find the end zone, 
just eight for 20 on the ground. For fantasy owners who spent the big bucks on Brian Hill, it is time to admit defeat. Julio Jones gets banged up a little bit in this game with a shoulder. He does leave for a bit. That partially explains his five for 68 line, but really just not a good game for Matt Ryan against the soft pass defense. Of course, completes just half his pass attempts, 271 yards and a pick. Now, Calvin Ridley does mop up mostly in garbage time with uh, he sees 13 targets, six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown coming from Matt Schaub at the end of the game. Any takeaways here from the Falcons' side? Uh, frustrating game. This is one I need to go back and watch a little bit more of. It was kind of it was on. I had this game on, but I was I was kind of like watching a lot of other ones because this one was somewhat boring. Like Jameis Winston threw a couple picks in the first uh, quarter. I think both of his picks came in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Matt Ryan continued like double clutched. It was like he was unsure of himself all game. He was under pressure. This offensive line has been a problem all year. But to see Julio Jones finish with just five catches for 68 yards is a problem. That's a defense that he can like continually beat up. And you know Matt Schaub comes into the game and throws a touchdown to Calvin Ridley. Uh, which which, by the way, it was a toe-tapping touchdown. Calvin Ridley's just so good. He is really good. And you have to wonder, it's like, how good, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think Matt, Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. I actually have a Matt Ryan jersey. It's a fun fact about me. Uh, before he was like, an, before he was the MVP that year, I had his jersey. So I, I've been a Matt Ryan fan because he is someone that continually progressed throughout his career. But you start to wonder, it's like, with all the weapons they have here, it's like, I don't, I'm not saying he's holding them back, but the fact that he has no mobility behind that offensive line, I think it hurts a little bit. Well, I mean, yes, they need a better offensive line. The vast majority of teams would greatly prefer to have Matt Ryan as their quarterback versus who they have right now. But certainly they've they've left a lot in the field. And again, their offensive line is terrible. That's why they can't run the ball whatsoever and they haven't been able to all year long. And again, with Jones, as I mentioned, you know, he historically he torches the Bucks. But as I mentioned, you know, he was banged up in this game. I think it was his shoulder. So he did leave for, you know, a bit of it. But again, they weren't getting anything going regardless. I mean, Ryan, it was just a bad day. You know, he's played relatively well on the season. So it, it certainly was disappointing in this one. But, you know, for me, yeah, disappointing. But, I, you know, I'm not really sure there are major takeaways here, given how they've been performing of late. Let's move on to the next game. Browns 41, Dolphins 24. We touched on Jarvis Landry. I mentioned Beckham's line, six catches, 84 yards and a touchdown. But really, everything just kind of working. I mean, not surprising against the Dolphins. Baker Mayfield throws for 327 yards and three touchdown passes. Nick Chubb totals 164 yards and a score. Kareem Hunt finds the end zone. So, I mean, are we all systems go here on everyone in the Browns offense? They're matching up against the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Cardinals on top. Are we fully confident in basically every major offensive piece for the Browns now? Getting a lot more confident. Uh, If you look and like uh, Baker Mayfield over the first eight games of the year, didn't have a single game with more than one touchdown pass. Uh, Now each of the last three games, he's thrown multiple touchdowns, three touchdowns in this one. And the common denominator here is Kareem Hunt. You know, he's being used as as a receiver. Fortunately, like today, they didn't have to use him very much in that role. This was was a this is a game where the Dolphins are just not a very good football team and everybody knows that but it's good to see them take advantage of this it's good to see them allow Baker Mayfield to kind of get some confidence in this game because again they're not a team that pressures very much so uh, to see him drop back 327 yards three touchdowns uh, the Steelers tough matchup coming up this week it's the rematch of that you know helmet game so that this, this might be a week where you really don't want to play him, but after that, their schedule lightens up again. Bengals on the Cardinals. I mean, in, in reality, though, I, I think Baker Mayfield, and I put him before this game, I put him in my bye column because he was someone that I felt like he can end the year the way that you kind of thought that he would start the year and be this, this season, you know, because David Njoku should be back next week. And it's kind of like everyone's back in the offense and there's just so many guys. How do you defend them all? No, I, I agree. I, I'm feeling really good about it. It's Again, you know, when Hunt and Chubb are both on the field, I just feel like it's opening everything up for them. Mayfield looks a lot more confident, you know, with what he's doing. Part of it is the matchups. But again, I really do feel like they've got something here. And I do feel relatively confident. The Steelers are tough. There's a lot of bad blood right now, given the last matchup. But I'd be pretty confident, pretty much rolling everybody else out there. Not the same for anybody on the Dolphins. Although, kudos to Kalen Balazs, who improves on his nine carries for nine yards rushing line with a seven carry for 13 yards rushing line this week. And he has a 13 yard catch. So that's pretty good for him. Seed some carries to Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin, but you don't really want any part of the Dolphins running game. Um, nor do you really want any part of the passing game, except for Devonte Parker, who continues to be rock solid, 11 targets, six catches and 91 yards. Mike Kosicki also finds the end zone. Alan Hearns finds the end zone, but that's probably because both Shaquem Grant and Albert Wilson leave with injuries. Anything to discuss here with the Dolphins tags? I mean, we rarely do. So is there anything you want to add here? Uh, Patrick Laird was a disappointment. Uh, he only had three carries. He saw one target that he dropped and it was in like inside the 10 yard 
yard line. So that was frustrating because he was someone that was kind of like a last second starter that you can grab. Uh, the, the part I find most entertaining about this game is that Kalen Balaj did not improve his efficiency uh, running for 1.89 yards per carry. So I can continually say that he's actually the worst running back from an efficiency standpoint kind of all time ever since the post merger. Uh, he is the least efficient running back ever. Yeah, but I mean, when you improve on your last week tags, I mean, nine for nine, this is, you know, 1.86 or whatever you had better than one. You know, I, I got to give it to the guy. I'm pretty proud of him. I, hopefully he can really build on this performance <laughs> here and finally get out of being the worst running back of all time. Yeah, real quick, where do you have Devontae Parker this season? I'm curious on your ranking of him. Okay, now to be fair, tags, I have not, I do not update them during the game on Sunday because I am diligent and I have to prepare this podcast and everything like that. I had him 29th rest of season coming into this week. Fair. You had him 31st. Are you moving him up past that? Yeah, I have him at 26. Um, looking at his rest of season schedule, like like this was actually not like the, the best of matchups against Cleveland, uh, but Philadelphia next week, they're not going to be able to run the ball against them. Kalen Balazs is probably going to average maybe negative yards per carry. And then the Jets, week one of the fantasy playoffs, the Giants in week two of the fantasy playoffs, and then the Bengals in week three. So, yeah, Devontae Parker, his schedule doesn't get much better, and he's a guy. Like, did you know? So there are just three wide receivers who have finished with at least 55 yards in, 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 uh, in 9 of 11 games. The only other two players, Devontae Parker is one of them. The other two are Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton. That's it. Yeah, well, Sutton uh, did not get there today. But he had he had nine coming into today, so he was, he, was able to, like, he was able to slack a little bit today. I got it. He's allowed to do so. I'll, I'll cut him some slack considering Brandon Allen threw for 82 yards or whatever. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, look, he was 29 coming in. And again, when I do my rest of season rankings, I take into account every matchup that he's got coming up. So this was not, you know, an easy matchup necessarily, but it certainly, you know, it, it was, you know, on the tougher side than he has coming up. So my guess is he will also be moving up when I do my rankings starting tomorrow and, and into Tuesday. Um, but you bring up a lot of good points about his schedule. He's just been solid, man. I mean, he's, he's a guy you can stick in there and not really worry about it. So before we go further tags, I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Manscaped, the number one option for men's below the belt grooming. So look, I mean, we try to look our best everywhere, right? That's why I make it a point to hit the gym at least twice a year. And even though we don't talk about it all that much, we all take care of ourselves below the belt. Okay. You don't need to hide it. We're not cavemen guys. The thing is it's a delicate area. You got to be careful down there. Back in college, I had a couple of roommates and when we'd be getting ready to go out, one of them would take forever now to protect his identity. Cause he may be listening to this podcast. I'm just going to call him Skippy. All right. Skippy's hair was always immaculate. His shirt was neatly pressed. He looked like a Ken doll. I'm not going to lie. One day we're all waiting on the couch for Skippy to get out of the bathroom already so we can head to the bar and we hear this giant scream from the upstairs bathroom. The door is locked. We're all like, what What happened? What's going on? Did you slip in the shower? What happened? He would not open the door. Eventually we just went on out without him. We had a great night. Story was over. Next day, Skippy still is not going to tell us what happened. Thankfully, his girlfriend was over and she had a sense of humor. So when Skippy was upstairs getting dressed, which as you know, is like a two hour ordeal for this guy, his girlfriend came clean. Skippy had... I, I think the exact words she used were a, quote, trimming snafu. It was unfortunate for Skippy and his girlfriend and us because we couldn't get the image out of our head. But Skippy's story is exactly why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so you can avoid following in Skippy's footsteps. It's even waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Now, the Lawnmower 2.0 comes inside Manscaped's Perfect Package 2.0, which is the perfect gift for this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. With the Perfect Package 2.0, you not only get the Lawnmower 2.0, you'll also get the Crop Preserver, an anti chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, as well as anti chafing performance boxer briefs. And you also get the Crop Reviver, which, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps everything smelling and feeling fresh below the belt. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 is the perfect gift this holiday season, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. All right, Tags, let's get to your Bears here. Bears 19, Giants 14, hip injury, schmip injury, baby. Mitch Trubisky throws for 278 yards and a touchdown. He also runs for one. Allen Robinson finally freed from Jalen Ramsey, bounces back with, in an enormous way, 10 targets, 6 catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown, plus another long catch that I believe got called back. I will take this opportunity just to say that Allen Robinson has been one of the best receivers in football this year, and I would have loved to see him with a better quarterback. But Tags, 
Let's talk David Montgomery. I feel like you've defended him pretty heavily so far, you know, given the schedule and everything and given the fact that he gets the goal line carries and everything like that. And you had him relatively high in your rest of season rankings, a mid-range RB2, but 13 carries, 22 yards, plus two catches for nine yards. He's got Detroit, Dallas, Green Bay. It's not the worst schedule coming up, but can you really roll Montgomery out there still as an RB2? Uh, he's he's more of like the low end RB2. Uh, he's playing for an offense that's not scoring very many points. That's obviously worrisome. And it seems like teams have kind of just said, you know what, we're we're not going to let David Montgomery beat us. We're going to say, Trubisky, you're going to beat us. And if and if you um, if you can beat us, then so be it. And uh, Trubisky's stat line, people might look at it and say he wasn't that good. Uh, but he actually didn't play a bad game. Uh, there was one bad throw that he definitely had in there, but there were a couple of drop passes. Uh, Allen Robinson should have had a second touchdown that he kind of took the wrong path on when he caught the ball. Uh, and then there was another one that was called back due to a holding penalty. It was a 60-yard reception. So this game could have been truly massive uh, for Allen Robinson. But still, it's it's a, it's a fine game from a fantasy standpoint for both of them. The biggest news for me is that Trubisky ran more than he has all year. He had seven carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's I, I want to say coming into this game, he, he didn't have a game with more than three carries. So I don't know if it's like a sign of him getting healthier. I don't know. Uh, the matchup they have coming up in the schedule against Detroit is a team that he has played well against um, each of the last two times they played. So interested about that. Anthony Miller is someone that's really frustrating. Uh, nine targets, it hit 11 targets last week. And then like, but then there's like games mixed in where it's like one, three targets. You can't rely on these guys consistently. I think Allen Robinson's the only one you can. Uh, but again, Montgomery, he's getting enough touches to where you put him in the low end RB2 territory. The the Lions on Thanksgiving here is an, it's it's a relatively easy matchup, but it's not one that he that he dominated a couple weeks ago. So it's difficult to say that he's like a smash starter every single week or anything like that. Yeah. And again, I basically ha- I mean, you had him 17th, I'm 23rd. I always desperately want to move him out of the RB2 range just so I could say I don't have him as an RB2 rest of the season, but it's really difficult not to. By the way, with the Lions, which we'll get to in a second, I believe Snacks Harrison left with an injury in this game. If he is not able to recover from Thursday, you know, for Thanksgiving, that makes an already mediocre run defense even better for somebody like Montgomery. So it is hard to get away from him. But uh, and I agree with Trubisky. You know, I said he had a rushing touchdown. That was a designed run. That wasn't something where he just scrambled and found it. It was a a play that they designed for him to run, which is good to see because he's got speed. That's part of his game. On the other side of the ball, it's just not pretty offensively. Daniel Jones throws two touchdown passes, one to Golden Tate, one to Caden Smith, but just little going on in the passing game. So Saquon Barkley tags 17 for 59 plus two catches, I believe, for one yard. Maybe I have that wrong. Tags, look, there are going to be owners out there who have Derrick Henry and have Aaron Jones, both of them, with Saquon Barkley on their team. Are you nervous enough about Barkley that you'd consider sitting him ever? Like, say, they have the Eagles in two weeks. That's a tough run defense. Is there any scenario that you're going to be sitting Saquon Barkley, or is he still, like, this top five guy for you? I mean, if we break it, break it down and say, like, totally forget 2018 ever happened and we look at 2019 I think many people would look at Saquon Barkley as a a guy kind of like a Le'Veon Bell where it's like he's been getting somewhat elite volume there's been some games where it maybe hasn't hit the level that you would hope but still again uh, 19 touches in this game that's not that's not little numbers but he's just not producing he's not scoring so I mean we were not benching Le'Veon Bell so probably not I don't think I would probably ever end up benching Saquon Barkley knowing that He's not a he's not a grinded out type running back. He's not a Leonard Fournette. He's a, he's a guy that you know he he's going to go out there. He's going to get those touches, and you're hoping for him to break one of those long ones because again, this is another offense that's just struggling a little bit to score points. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think you'd ever sit him, but to lower expectations, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think I could ever bring myself if I had him on my roster to put almost anybody uh, really above him unless I had some ridiculous, you know, top three running backs that I had just tons of them for whatever reason. But I agree. It is it is certainly time to considerably lower expectations while you still start him. It just it's not, you know, the explosive plays aren't there right now. So I'm a little nervous, but again, not enough to drop him, you know, too far down to the point where you're really going to consider benching him for other low end RB ones. Let's move on here to the Seahawks 17, the Eagles nine tags. The spread on this game was the Seahawks getting one and a half, which seemed a little silly. And that was especially true with Carson Wentz having just decimated on offense right? I mean, Jordan Howard was out. Alshon Jeffrey was out. Nelson Aguilar was out. Even Lane Johnson was out. Then they lost Brandon Brooks in the game. So it was pretty much all Zach Ertz on offense, who sees 14 targets, 12 catches for 91 yards. And Miles Sanders, who has 12 carries for 63 yards, plus three catches for 23 yards. He could have had a touchdown had Wentz not badly overthrown him sort of in the red zone. It was a windy day. Everyone was injured. Can you take anything away from the Eagles here, Tex? 
Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like continuing where everything else is left off. I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's to the point now where it is really worrisome. I mean, Carson Wentz is a streaming quarterback at best. I actually liked him this week quite a bit uh, until I found out that Aguilar was going to be out too. So it was just like you're trotting out there like Mac Hollins, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and, and Jordan Matthews, like three guys that are not starters in, in the NFL right now, but, I mean, they, they were forced to be. And every team kind of knows what you're going to do. They're they're struggling to run the ball, which is really weird because they have an offensive line that's supposed to be dominant, but they have not run the ball well all year long. I mean, Jordan Howard was a guy that was able to get some stuff done, but it, it really hasn't been a run-first team, and Wentz hasn't taken advantage of some of the, the, the better matchups that they've had, so... Uh, it's, this is, it's, it's definitely worrisome. If you want to drop Carson Wentz, I have no issue with it because again, our Alshon Jeffrey, if he wasn't back for this game and maybe he re-injured it in pregame warmups because he was expected to go. And then all of a sudden pregame warmups happen. It's like, uh Oh, he might not play. Uh, Aguilar didn't practice all week long. So I don't know if he was even close. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's ugly. Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't think that he's a must start guy whatsoever at this point. They're just so banged up, man. And again, their offensive line is so banged up. I just... I feel kind of bad for the guy, frankly. I mean, I feel like he's trying, but without the weapons, there's just little for him to be able to do. Uh, on the other side, look, we talked for the most part about the running game. There wasn't that much of a passing game. Again, the weather was not good there. It was pretty windy. Tyler Lockett was your leading receiver for the Seahawks with 38 yards, and I believe one catch. Russell Wilson had just one touchdown, which came on a trick play to Malik Turner. So, look, we talked about the run game. Anything on the passing game or just, look, they won the game. They could have done more, but it was a windy day, and we move on. Uh, DK Metcalf had two drops. One was a touchdown um, that basically it was a little bit underthrown, but it's a, it's a ball that DK Metcalf catches most of the time. Uh, but two drops for him, obviously worrisome. Josh Gordon, I haven't seen the snap counts in this game yet. I haven't looked at them uh, just yet, but I'll be interested to see how much uh, they actually got Josh Gordon in the field because it didn't seem like he was out there in a full-time capacity, that Malik Turner was still playing a little bit, David Moore was still playing a little bit. So the the, the big story from this one, I don't want to take too much away from it because it was one of those, I, I had the under in this game, uh, obviously when I found out about Wentz and I, I, you, you don't run the ball well against Philadelphia. They've been playing better against the pass as of late. So again, everything just kind of added up to a lower scoring game here. But the big story out of this one comes with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. That's the biggest one that we'll be watching. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I really think you throw out pretty much everything else that happened in this game. It's really about the run game, which we talked about well in the beginning of the uh, podcast. Let's move on to the Saints 34 Panthers 31, really fantastic game here. Drew Brees goes for 311 yards and three scores, one each to Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, and Traquan Smith, the former two who have huge games of 101 yards and 99 yards, respectively. Latavius Murray has only seven carries, but he turns them into 64 yards and a score. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara gets saved a bit by a late two-minute drill where he piles on the catches. He has nine catches. He totals 102 yards. Anything to take away here from the Saints? Uh, by Alvin Kamara, if you don't have, I mean, like some people's trade deadlines have already passed, and so I don't want to talk too much about it. But if you can get Alvin Kamara right now at a dis- discount, I'd do it. Uh, looking at the remaining schedule, they're not so much for Latavius Murray's role, but more they they more fit uh, Alvin Kamara's role. So uh, he's a guy that's due for some serious touchdown progression, like uh, like to the mean, like in terms of the touches he's gotten, where that where he's gotten them, what he's done over his career. He's a guy that is going to he's going to explode at some point. Like Leonard Fournette had two touchdowns today. Alvin Kamara is going to do that really soon. So if you can trade for him now at at basement price. I would do that. Yeah, matchups coming up against the Falcons, 49ers, and the Colts. Uh, all right, let's move on here to the Panthers. And finally, we see some touchdown regression. You mentioned it for Fournette, which we'll get to later. But we also see it from DJ Moore, who goes for 134 total yards and two scores on the day. Christian McCaffrey does his usual dirty work with 133 total yards and two scores. This does not strike me as anything too exciting to take away here from the Panthers tags, but I don't know if you disagree. Curtis Samuel um, like is moving out of startable territory. He was a guy that was seeing at least he was seeing really good targets. And um, like you were kind of just like waiting for it to catch up, you know, his production to catch up with his targets. But uh, four he just four targets in this game, which is obviously very low. Um they did give him four carries, which is odd because they haven't really given him that many this year. He's really struggling because uh, Kyle Allen's not throwing well in the deep ball. And I know DJ Moore had a big game here. He caught a 52-yard touchdown. But if you guys watch that game, DJ Moore legit slowed down to the pace of a turtle uh, to, to, to wait for that ball to get to him. And it was like I was just waiting for it to be intercepted because he was just standing. There was nothing he could do. Uh, like he had multiple yards in the defenders to the point where he slowed down and he still ended up catching the ball. But, I mean, it was a bad ball by Kyle Allen. He just doesn't throw the deep ball very well. So if Curtis Samuel's not uh, being efficient with his targets, we shouldn't expect that to change with Kyle Allen. So, unfortunately, Curtis Samuel is going to be a guy that you can only start in matchups where you're going to see a lot of volume out of that Carolina passing attack. 
So do you think, are you not starting him now as a wide receiver three pretty regularly? Because we both had him right, I mean, like a solid wide receiver three coming in. Are you dropping him outside that range? I had him, at, yeah, I had him at wide receiver 28, and I'm kind of moving him down into like the wide receiver 34-ish range. So it's like he's more like a low-end wide receiver three that you can start. It just depends on the matchups. But again, if it's a, it's, if it's a winnable game for Carolina and we think they should be able to run the ball pretty well, I, I it's not a game where I think you want to trust him. Uh, the problem is this wasn't a winnable game for Carolina necessarily, and they wouldn't be able to run the ball well. So it really is doubly disappointing kind of to see this day. Again, I do like that they did give him the four, you know, rushing attempts for 40 yards just because at least they made an effort to get him involved if he wasn't getting it through the passing game. But certainly I don't disagree with anything you said. I do want to talk about our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. We've got two great things coming on that channel this week, by the way. First, tomorrow's waiver wire podcast, which is going to have Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers is going to be recorded on video and put on our channel by Monday night. And then tags and Bobby are going to put out their waiver wire pickup video on Tuesday afternoon. So make sure to check it out over at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Jets 34, Raiders 3. You cannot stop the Jets. Tags, this is their playbook. They embarrass everyone who has ever been associated with them, and then they give you just enough hope to remain a fan. Sam Darnold throws for two touchdowns, runs for another. Robbie Anderson comes to life. Four catches for 86 yards. Ryan Griffin, fresh off the contract extension, finds the end zone again. Just 13 yards, though. But other than that, kind of a disappointing day. I mean, Le'Veon Bell does total 108 yards, kind of has an Alvin Kamara type of game. Fantasy owners are probably going to feel a little disappointed, but certainly there are worse things that can be done. Jamison Crowder, just two catches, four targets, 18 yards. Demarius Thomas did have a touchdown, wiped off the board, but just two catches for 22 yards. Two more good matchups here left for the Jets tags. Who on the Jets are we trusting going forward against the Bengals and the Dolphins? I don't know. Like, that's, I I mean, I'm being honest here. I don't know because, like, we had the conversation last week. I think you said, what's your problem, man, on Jamison Crowder? And I I was like, I don't know how much I can trust any Jets wide receiver. And, like, this week, of course, naturally, I go and I rank him as, like, the wide receiver 22, and he does this. (laughs) So it's like, you're not doing me any favors here, Jamison Crowder. Uh, Robbie Anderson is someone that I'm not willing to trust at all. Really, I'm not. I mean, he caught four balls today. He had five targets. That's not enough for me to trust him. It was just a highly efficient day in terms of, like, what he did. Uh, And and one of his catches was, like, kind of, it was an underthrown ball by Darnold that the defender could have almost picked off, but he didn't. I think the only player that I actually start with confidence from this team, and I won't even say it with like tremendous confidence, but it's Le'Veon Bell. That's it. That's it. I mean, do you do you feel like you could start? Would you start Jamison Crowder every week over someone like uh, Curtis Samuel? What about over someone like Will Fuller? Oh man, um, I think that he probably, for the most part, I mean, he had a terrible game this game, but generally speaking, he'd probably be more of a higher floor than Fuller, but not as high of a ceiling. I don't know, man. I was surprised by this. Look, I he'd been pretty low in my rest of season rankings all year. Like you, I was just slowly, slowly, slowly moving him up. I didn't really fully want to buy him, but I had him at 34 um, coming in. He's probably not going to move that much. This is just one of those games. They controlled it, tags. I mean, they had a defensive score. The game was not really in doubt. I'm, I'm not going to really go crazy over this game. I agree with you that there is one guy who you can start week in, week out, and that's Le'Veon Bell, and not to the point where you thought you were going to be able to start him. He's not making the most of these matchups that we kind of hoped that he would because the Jets just aren't that good of an offense. They don't have a very good offensive line, but he's the only guy who you can feel rock solid starting. I do feel like I'm probably going to Ryan Crowder pretty well next week. I'm still not going to really buy into Robbie Anderson. And you could start Ryan Griffin, which we talked about, sort of maybe as a low end, you know, tight end one. But yeah, I know. <laughs> just... I guess that's an issue. Like, Dan, how do you approach like playoff teams? Like, if you have someone like Jamison Crowder on your roster, would you, tr- would you be looking to trade him away? Like, me and my wide receiver three spot, I'm typically looking for like a game breaker in that spot. Like, someone that could like break the game open and kind of win you a fantasy matchup. Whereas, like, your wide receiver one and wide receiver two should ideally give you a higher floor. But I just, I just don't know how I feel about someone like Jamison Crowder in the fantasy playoff time. Yeah, for me, it kind of depends on my roster construction tags because I have plenty of teams where I'm strong up and down the lineup, and I really am just looking for somebody in that wide receiver three spot to just kind of hold the fort. And I get that Crowder didn't do that in this game. He had just two catches for 18 yards. But overall, more often than not, he's going to give you kind of a solid reliable floor and in some teams uh, that's good enough for me you know what I'm saying in other teams I need the guy a wide receiver three to come through for me but there are teams where if I owned Crowder I'd probably start him in my fantasy playoffs going forward so for the Raiders side I I host the betting pros NFL podcast tags and we take a look at the opening lines and it was the Raiders laying three and that seemed strange given how much the Raiders had been rolling and how the Jets aren't very good but then you realize that it was kind of a bad matchup for their offense the Jets can stop the run The Raiders don't have the type of receivers that can exploit the weak secondary. They generally stink traveling east, and 
I did not expect this, though, Tags. I mean, Josh Jacobs, 34 yards rushing, one catch for two yards. Derek Carr, 127 yards passing with a pick. He was actually pulled late in the third quarter for Mike Lennon, now just 2-9 and nine when it is below 50 degrees outside. Darren Waller, just 41 yards receiving. Hunter Renfro, 31 yards. He leaves with injured ribs. Tyrell Williams, 28 yards receiving. I mean, the weather was pretty miserable at MetLife, but obviously Sam Darnold was able to move the ball. So is this just a bad day at the office for the Raiders here, Tags? I mean, they've got the Chiefs coming up next. Yeah, this has been the MO of, of Derek Carr's career, unfortunately. And it's something that's like been brought to light in my boom bust and everything in between series that I do in the offseason, where it just goes to show like, that's why I can never fully trust Derek Carr as like a streamer because I, I know this can happen at any time. And I remember, um, I think it was two weeks ago on the podcast, Bobby said to me something about the Raiders. He's like, do you believe in the Raiders now? He's like, you know, the next two weeks they play the Bengals and the Jets and they're going to win those two games. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We know the NFL is crazy. Something something weird can happen, you know? And he's like, yeah, I guess that's true. And then here we are. The Jets win 34-3. to It was traveling from the West to the East Coast, and that was always worrisome for me because I just don't think teams do very well when they travel that much. But, man, this was a big disappointment. And then, like, coming off, going and then going back home and playing against the Chiefs, it's like I had um, – there's been, like, a lot of Raider fans asking me how I feel about the team, you know, and, like, they've overachieved for sure. Uh, but at the same time, like the, I was like, ask yourself, is this a playoff team? And my answer is still, I don't think this team can go anywhere in the playoffs if they play good competition. Uh, they've they've overexceeded expectations by a long shot, and to know that they have some future first round picks that aren't theirs, like to build on, this is a good thing. But uh, Derek Carr, where would you be? Like, if you if you were like the Raiders GM, would you be looking to replace Derek Carr in the 2020 draft? Uh, I, I don't know, man. It, it's really hard with quarterbacks, I feel like, because Carr isn't that great. And by the way, kudos to you, because, you know, I used to tease you a little bit about where you had him ranked rest of the season. And you were always like, you know, the second you trust Derek Carr, this is essentially what is going to happen, which is right. I don't know, man. I think that Derek Carr is the type of guy who's like, if he is my starting quarterback, I'll live with it and it's fine. Um, but if I am able to upgrade, I think I'd be fine to do so, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not I'm not running out there being like, man, I have to find a quarterback. But I am basically keeping my eyes open, if that makes sense. Yeah, they have the ammo to do it. And that's why I'm asking about it, because it's like they're going to Vegas next year and it's like they could make a splash. And it just seems like this could be the team that that does it. And it's it would be surprising in some ways because Derek Carr has he's shown flashes at times where it's like you believe like he was a guy that was improving over the first couple of years. Then it stalled and like he almost regressed this year again. He's he's picking it up again. But it's like you never know what you're going to get. Derek Carr is a box of chocolates. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. And by the way, just to clarify, because you mentioned they're coming home, they're actually at KC this coming week. So it's a little bit of a difficult. So they're going to travel probably back to Oakland, then back to KC, right? They have had, by the way, the worst travel schedule. Oh my God, it's it's really been remarkable. Them and the Bucks, they just they just had a, a rough season in terms of that. Let's move on here to the Bills 20, Broncos 3. Josh Allen and John Brown, they passed their first test here, Tags. Allen throws for just 185 yards, but two touchdowns. He adds on 56 rushing yards. Brown held to just two catches in an obviously tough matchup, 39 yards. But he does find the end zone. We asked it last week. Let's ask it again this week. Are you willing to trust both Allen and uh, John Brown against the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Pats going forward? I think John Brown is the one that I probably would trust more, but I I'm still... I'm willing to sell him. I mean, I'm not willing to try. I, Josh Allen to me is a streamer, like a, a good streamer and one that you play more often than you don't. But they've had some light competition uh, coming up to this game. And again, he outproduced what I thought he would in this game. Uh, he did have his first turnover and like it was like his, I think he has one interception in his last six games. So he's done really good. Uh, John Brown made like a highlight reel catch in order to to haul in that touchdown against Chris Harris. So John Brown is, is really good at football. And um, he only got four targets here, which is obviously somewhat worrisome. But um, I'm, I'm kind of selling this offense in general. I just think that they're, they're going to have some troubles. Uh, like, they're going to run into some trouble down the stretch. And the idea for me when it comes to fantasy playoff time is getting consistency out of your players. And I don't know if Josh Allen's going to be – he's grown this year, but I don't know if he's consistent enough to rely on an every week basis. How about Devin Singletary? 21 carries, 106 yards plus a catch for 8 yards. Now, Frank Gore does see 15 carries for 65 yards. But it might have been that they were trying to get him to pass Barry Sanders in this game. But, I mean, even with the tough matchups upcoming, Tags, you got to have a little bit of faith in Singletary, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. And he has some big play potential, so I'm not willing to, like, just give up on him, even though they have a brutal schedule. But he is someone that I'd be willing to sell high on if you can get, like, good market value for him. Because they ran the ball 47 times in this game. 
that's not going to happen very often. Like D- Denver poses no threat. You don't have to throw the ball against them. You just run the ball. Uh, so 47 rush attempts is going to allow for a lot of, you know, like in, in a timeshare that it's not 50-50 anymore. It's probably like a 60-40 between Singletary and Gore. It's still like if there's a game that they only net 22 carries, you're suddenly looking at maybe 14 for Singletary. And in, in a tough matchup, it's going to be really tough for him to uh, – to live up to that high-end RB2 status or whatever people are viewing him as right now. So he's just someone I'm a little bit weary about. All right, on the other side of the ball, we already talked about the running game. I mean, look, I mentioned it. Brandon Allen threw for just 82 yards here. So this is the you mentioned Cortland Sutton. This is kind of one of his only bad games. Eight targets, catches just one of them, 27 yards. Are you at all concerned about Sutton writing it off to the matchup? You know what's weird is like I was I was I continually was worried about Sutton and then I'm like you know what I'm I'm just gonna stop doubting him because like he's done with Flacco he's done with Brandon Allen this is a, a blip on the radar uh, unfortunately he has another tough matchup next week against the Chargers they've been doing really good with wide receivers this year um, if you go back to their matchup in Week Five that was with Flacco he caught four passes for 92 yards and a touchdown so it's like that the overall numbers look good but four catches that's like on the lower end of the spectrum so it's really difficult man because then after that it's Houston uh, Kansas City and Detroit. Detroit, not not a brutal schedule, but it's almost like, you know, talking about consistency, getting into your lineup. He's a guy that's been getting seven targets every single game, seemingly, uh, but he fits into that wide receiver two territory where, unfortunately, he's going to be a victim of some bad quarterback play at times. And well, this is just one of those games. Redskins 19, Lions 16. Redskins get a special teams touchdown and then a whole bunch of field goals. Dwayne Haskin throws for 156 yards and a pick with several awful missed throws, including missing a wide-open Terry McLaurin in the end zone, which got a little chatter on our uh, messaging system. McLaurin, though, does see 12 targets, 5 catches, 72 yards. You always say follow the targets tags. Can we follow them with Terry McLaurin going forward or not? I mean, 72 yards in a matchup with Darius Slay is not a bad game. It's really not. Uh, but being with Haskins is going to be, <laughs> it's kind of like a Sutton situation, right? Where, But McLaurin hasn't gotten the elite volume that Sutton has every single week. And that's why, to me, McLaurin's more in like the, the volatile wide receiver three range. And you have Sutton in the in this, a little bit less volatile wide receiver two range. Uh, because McLaurin, I think last week, what did he have, four targets? Uh, that's not going to get it done. So this is a team that wants to run the ball first. That's probably what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, I mean, McLaurin, he's going to be so good, but I don't trust him with Dwayne Haskins at all. I feel so bad for him. He, I just feel like he's so frustrated there, you know, just, you know, especially with that touchdown. Good goodness gracious. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he's outside my wide receiver three range right now, and I'm going to keep him there because I just can't trust him with Haskins throwing him the ball. I said it when we were talking earlier about whether or not they're going to go to him at all from Case Keenum. He's a guy who legitimately moves 20 spots in my rankings. If you even give him Case Keenum throwing him the ball, but for right now, yeah, too volatile to get there. Uh, on the lines, look, both Scarborough, 18 carries, 98 yards on the ground. He did lose a fumble, but obviously he toted the rock and looks like he's going to keep doing that. Um, but look, Jeff Driscoll is driving this train for the foreseeable future, probably the rest of the year. Kenny Galladay catches all four of his targets, but just 61 yards. He really, you know, he does have the touchdown in the first game with Driscoll, but overall it has not been overly impressive in any of the three games. Can owners start Galladay against your Bears, a team that usually limits opposing wide receivers on Thanksgiving? I mean, is he still a guy here like, well, I, I've got to throw him out there. He's Kenny Galladay. Yeah, you kind of put him out there in wide receiver three territory, and you just understand that there's going to be a little bit of ups and downs. It's kind of like saying like Will Fuller, right? Like, I, I think Galladay is more consistent than Will Fuller, and he may not give you the massive booms, but his floor should still be there. Bo Scarborough, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't do anything on passing downs. The Bears have had some success like with the offense under Matt Nagy against this Matt Patricia de- defense, so it's very possible that the game goes in a negative way for Bo Scarborough and he's not involved in the passing game at all. He hasn't caught a single pass over the last two weeks. So he's like, I mean, the Bears aren't going to blow anybody out. So you're probably going to see another, you know, 13 to 15 carry game out of him against the Bears on Thanksgiving. But it's if he if he doesn't score, he's basically going to be somewhat of a letdown in your fantasy lineup. But nobody else in that team that you can trust. But Galladay can win against Prince of Mucamara. He could win against uh, Kyle Fuller. Like those matchups, it, it's not a great matchup. But I, yes, I would still put him out there as a wide receiver three in that matchup. Yeah, I mean, Galladay is a guy who... I'd never be able to bench if I owned him, probably regardless of the matchup. Just He's too talented, but it, he's a guy who I just don't really feel good about having on my team right now. You know, with Driscoll back there, I mean, he's dropped significantly. It's like Terry McLaurin, right? Yeah, it's a little bit like Terry. I mean, better, but it's a little bit like Terry McLaurin. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I love Galladay's talent. And look, if I owned him, I'm sure I'd be starting him against the Bears. But at this point, yeah, he's basically falling into the wide receiver, borderline wide receiver two territory which just makes me sad. Let's move on to the Steelers 16, Bengals 10. 
I feel like Bobby might want to rethink his Mason Rudolph take from <laughs> earlier this year. I don't know. I mean, he might be listening and he can uh, deal with that himself. But Rudolph gets benched here for Devlin Hodges, who immediately throws a 79-yard touchdown pass to James Washington. Admittedly, he does little else. But with James Conner out, I mean, you, you mentioned that Jalen Samuels might have been your biggest loser. He has just five touches on the day, but it's Benny Snell who gains 98 yards on 21 carries. It's unclear right now how long James Conner is going to be out. I don't want to steal your waiver wire thunder here, but there is matchups against the Browns, the Cardinals, and the Bills. Is Snell a guy who can be an RB2 while Conner is out? No. I don't want to trust him. This is the Bengals, guys. I mean, Snell is someone else that's not really involved in the passing game, so it's kind of like a Bo Scarborough thing where uh, you're relying on game script a little bit. He's a very plodding running back. He doesn't have any speed. He's not a guy, you know, when I talk about Saquon Barkley and saying that he's someone who, you know, you kind of, like, he grinds it out and you're waiting for that big run, right? Like, Benny Snell's a guy that grinds it out and he doesn't get a big run. Unless you're playing the Bengals, of course, because, well, the Bengals just are, are bad. But... I don't want to trust him, no. And if you're able to land Benny Snell on the waiver wire, because I'm sure he's going to be a popular ad this week, uh, if you're able to do that, I would trade him away. Uh, because it seems like James Conner probably will come back. We don't know if it's this week, if it's next week. We don't know. Because the Steelers are still playing for the playoffs. Like They're a team that traded away their first-round asset next year because they believe that they had a chance to win. I'm running from this entire offense, though, man. Like I know Hodges came in through the touchdown, but it was it was most of it was done after the catch. Like He hit James Washington. He ran quite a long ways after the catch and uh we saw Hodges in a full-time role we saw him start a game against the Chargers if I'm not mistaken and when Devlin Hodges is an upgrade in your quarterback position tags and you're looking at him to save your offense you know that things are not going well that's the best way to say it it's not good I completely agree you can't really trust anybody right now uh on the Steelers offense you just can't and when Smith Schuster comes back you can't trust him as we've talked about when Connor comes back you can probably trust him when he's healthy because he's going to be a running back and he's going to get the volume but that's about it. On the other side of the ball, look, this was their chance. This was the Bengals' chance to win, and they probably get that win if they're starting Andy Dalton. But at least Joe Mixon continues to contribute for fantasy owners. 18 for 79 on the ground. Not overly impressive, but, you know, he's at least getting the volume at this point. Meanwhile, Tyler Boyd essentially wills himself into the end zone. Five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He does lose a fumble, though. Um, Tags, you're contractually obligated to say something about the Bengals. So what do you have? No, I, I know. And the thing is, is like Tyler Boyd today is a prime example example of like why you want to start guys like Terry McLaurin why you want to start guys like Cortland Sutton because when they have a quarterback like I wish some guys like Jeff Driscoll would learn this like Ryan Finley today he ended up with 192 yards passing and one touchdown like how many of those yards came when the wide receiver wasn't draped in coverage was probably zero but in the, but the thing is he was willing to trust Tyler Boyd in one-on-one situations and just he, he simply just threw the ball up to him and said hopefully you win this it's going to make me look better if you do and in the end it made him look better and Tyler Boyd ends up with 101 yards and a touchdown his touchdown against Joe Hayden was really good too but uh it's basically you're hoping that Ryan Finley continues to do this to give Tyler Boyd those one-on-one situations like hoping he could win them uh but this is one of those teams man where you're just like you don't feel great. Like Joe Mixon next week, I'm, I'm so torn on him every single week because I don't think he's going to have a chance to score very often. And he's not involved at all in the passing game. That Here comes another game. He didn't have a single uh, catch in this game. It's just, it blows my mind because if you actually watch this game, I watched quite a bit of it. Joe Mixon is so talented in terms of like what he offers you on the ground. Like he breaks tackles in the backfield. He makes extra yardage. But this is such a bad football team that I almost, I feel bad for him in a way. Like in terms of like, is a running back because he's like gutting it out and it's just they're so bad yeah he's incredibly talented but yeah he's kind of a guy who if you own you're probably still starting him most weeks he's getting the volume you know and he's he's doing enough to to get you and Boyd was a guy who I debated kind of all week as to what I want to do with him I own him in a lot of spots I ultimately threw him out there he had the good game but he's also a talented guy who you know you just love to see them be able to do a lot more but in the end, they still have a game against Miami coming up, and they've got a big lead with the Redskins uh, win here on the number one pick, at least. So hopefully they can do something coming into next year. You think they're going to move on from Ryan Finley? Yeah, no, I don't know. He might be the answer, <laughs> Tags. you got to give him a little time. Okay, we'll see. Or, uh, you know, maybe go back to Dalton. Who knows? All right, let's move on here to the late games. Titans 42 Jaguars 20 Derrick Henry 19 carries 159 yards and two touchdowns you get late in the year man and nobody wants to get in his way uh, when it starts getting a little cold AJ Brown five targets four catches 135 yards and a touchdown but I'm actually going to ask you about Ryan Tannehill here tags 14 of 18 259 yards and two touchdowns and he also rushes for 40 yards and two touchdowns he does lose a fumble he's been extremely solid 
every single game he's played. I'm going to put a specific little bow on it here for you. I have a two-quarterback lead. Quarterbacks are gold. I have Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, and I traded for Ryan Tannehill to fill my bye week. Am I crazy if I'm thinking about trading Kyler Murray to try to you know get healthy elsewhere and relying on Ryan Tannehill to finish up going into the playoffs? I don't think it's crazy at all, especially when you look at his schedule, knowing that he's going to play. Like, they're playing the Colts. The Colts are really good against the run. Henry will have a little bit of trouble there. Oakland, another team, it's it's kind of like a funnel defense. Houston, a team that you could throw the ball on. And Ryan Tannehill, I, I think the stat now is every single game that he's started, he's scored at least 19 fantasy points. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, he, he's been really, really good. And, you know, he's a guy who... I'm kind of buying with this, you know, offense. I don't I don't think that he makes, you know, that the receiver is really better. I don't think you can really rely on AJ Brown going forward or anything like that. But certainly what he's doing, I'm I'm really thinking about it because I really do think he's a guy who you might, you know, if you're struggling in that position, he might be a guy who you can just rely on. On the other side of the ball, the Jaguars, you know, they don't look good. DD Westbrook is the leading receiver uh, with eight catches for 69 yards. But Fournette finally, finally sees some touchdown regression. You mentioned it earlier. 24 carries, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. He adds nine catches for 62 yards. I mean, I don't really know if there's very much to say about that. I mean, DJ Chark has a disappointing game, five for 38. But, you know, Fournette finally comes through with what we knew. And what's funny is they were behind. I mean, they were way behind, and they just kept giving him the ball, especially around the goal line. So anything you want to take away here from the Jaguar side? <laughs> it's that, that Doug Marone lived up to us. He said, we're going to get Leonard Fournette his touches going forward. We're not going to abandon him again. And <laughs> ending up with 24 rushing attempts in a game that they were blown out is kind of funny you know he also gets 12 targets so it's like 12 targets to running back it almost shouldn't happen you know what I mean it's almost like Nick Foles is well he's Nick Foles and uh I still believe that Gardner Minshew is a better man for the job I I stand by that I, I saw enough of Gardner Minshew to think that he's capable of handling an NFL roster whereas Nick Foles outside of that Doug Peterson offense I mean like well obviously you have to you can go back to uh Chip Kelly's offense to see some, but I Nick Foles has looked like an average quarterback and without those offenses in Philadelphia. So unfortunately, DJ Chark is the biggest. He was almost one of the guys I put in my biggest losers uh, this week, just because he's coming off a 15 target game. Someone that I almost put into wide receiver one territory for the rest of the season. And I still believe he's going to be very valuable. They have a really good schedule moving forward, but obviously Nick Foles is uh well as I said, he's still Nick Foles. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to tip my hat there to you, Tags. I mean, you were on the uh, Minshew. You were backing him. I thought Foles might even be an improvement for the offense, but yeah, it wasn't. And I mean, Fournette could have gotten killed on some of those targets today when you were watching. It was just sort of, he was like, there's a guy waiting for it. Everybody knew it was coming, and Foles was still just kind of dumping it off. So certainly a, uh, a a tough game for the Jaguars offense. But again, if you own Leonard Fournette, who's been solid all year, just without the touchdowns, at least it paid off today. Let's get to our final game Patriots 13, Cowboys 9. I don't really think there's much that we can take away here on either side. It was a miserable day um, in New England. The uh, Patriots were down Sanu. They were down Philip Dorsett. Uh, Tom Brady does throw a touchdown pass, 190 yards. Um, and the touchdown pass goes to Nikhil Harry, who has the one catch for 10 yards uh, and the touchdown. Sonny Michel does well on the ground as they try to control the ball. 20 carries, 85 yards. He obviously does not find the end zone. Julian Edelman leads the way with eight catches for 93 yards. And Jacoby Myers, I mean, sees nine targets, four catches, 74 yards. Anything from the Patriots' sex? I mean, I, I don't really know what we can do here given the fact that they were so depleted on offense and given how bad the weather was. I mean, the Patriots offense has been starting to look like a problem, actually, not just this week. I mean, this week, I don't want to take too much away from uh, it, it wasn't an easy matchup against the Cowboys, but they were without Leighton Van Der Esch, uh for this game, which obviously is their best linebacker. But uh, I'm worried about them, man. Like, I, I just and again, I hate having this conversation because I'm always we're always wrong, no matter what, uh, when it comes to Brady, like declining. But if he is, in fact, sl starting to slowly decline they need that running game to be better than they have been. And Sony Michelle is fine today. A lot of it came on one, a 17 yard run, but are you worried about this Patriots team? Like the defense has been playing fantastic and it's, it's really difficult to bet against Brady in the playoffs. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to bring up some concerns about the Patriots roster. And like, do you think that this team can actually hang with the chiefs if they get into one of those games? I mean, it doesn't look like it, but I, again, you, you, kind of hit the nail on the head the number of times I've said doesn't look like they can do this and then they do it um it, it's something that's there so I think in the end where I'm at is I'm going to believe that they're going to be able to figure it out when they need to figure it out until they show me 
that they can. And the fact that they keep winning the game largely on their defense, um, you know. But, uh, you know, for this game in particular, really, it, you have to throw it out because it, they had nobody at wide receiver. And the weather was just brutal. You know, if they have a full complement of weapons, I could see Brady having a big game. But he certainly looks like he is declining and the offense generally looks like it's declining. And, you know, the run game, it was good to see it get going here. But, you know, we talked about it early in the season when they lost James Devlin. That was a big loss to their running game. And it, it certainly showed itself throughout the season on the other side of the ball again it just you know it was the weather for the most part and a tough uh defense but you know you you mentioned Amari Cooper two targets zero catches on the day the leading receiver actually Randall Cobb seven targets four catches and 86 yards uh Zeke Elliott has 21 uh rush attempts 86 yards they don't find the end zone Dak throws for just 212 yards again anything on the Cowboys here just a tough defense weather no, it's, yeah, it's difficult to, as you mentioned at the top uh, of this game, is that you don't want to take too much away from this game. But, you know, those people who have been trying to advocate, you know, say, uh, wait till the Cowboys play a real football team, like a real defense, and wait till the, the, the Patriots defense plays a real offense. This was supposed to be a good mix of the two where it's like, okay, let's see who's real and, and who steps up. Obviously, the Patriots uh, look like the bet, the winners here in terms of that, but uh, it was a messy game and you don't want to take too much away from it, especially from someone like Amari Cooper, who who relies on winning routes. Like, he's not the most physically imposing guy. He's not going to win contested catches. That's not who he is as a player. He's a guy that relies on winning routes and sticking his foot in the ground and, and making cuts that a cornerback can't do. And uh, when the field's slippery like it was today, you're not going to see him have too much success. So, unfortunately, um, you just kind of have to live with it at this point. But Amari's still a top 12 receiver re- remainder of the season. 100% agree. Really not taking much, if anything, away from this game it really just was one of those games that's uh that's a tough one for the players to get going in and the one thing that I I really loved about it is that it was the easiest under on the board because you saw how bad the weather was so it was really something where you could uh you know at least enjoy it in that respect well that's going to do it for today's show thanks again to pristine auction who sponsors our Dak Prescott helmet giveaway remember they have a ton of auctions every day where you can get all sorts of fantastic items for your man cave just go to p-r-i-s-t-i-n-e-auction.com and don't forget to use the referral code fantasy pros for a five dollar voucher thanks also to manscaped remember you need to look good everywhere guys you can with their perfect package 2.0 and you can get 20 percent off plus free shipping when you use our code fantasy pros over at manscaped.com enjoy the rest of your week 12 football everyone tags of bobby will be back to talk you through your waiver wire i just wanted you to watch me just all. 